NASCAR changes qualifying rules and hints towards electronic advancements. All this and more coming up. If you're new here, my name is Taylor and welcome to Above the Yellow Line. There are a lot of new NASCAR rules that were just announced yesterday, so let's talk about them. But before we do that, make sure to follow this channel and like this video, it always helps the channel. But enough of that, let's get to it. First up, as reported by Kelly Crandall, NASCAR is going to remove the grass in turn three of Daytona and pave it. This decision was made on the heels of Ryan Priest's really scary wreck at the Coke Zero Sugar 400 last fall. There's always a debate between grass or pavement as a runoff area, and grass is unforgiving. It's very slick. It is like ice when you're on it. That's when you see when these drivers spin out on track or if there's a wreck on track and they go into the grass, they're going for quite some time. So in my opinion, it always has been that grass is not the best safety net when a car is wrecking. However, it's a softer place to land as opposed to pavement because pavement is not icy. It's not slick. It, it, it's pavement. There is friction there. So the time it would take for a car to stop wrecking in grass versus pavement is going to be a lot less on pavement than it would be grass. Long story long, there are pros and cons to each, whether you have a grass runoff area or a concrete runoff area, but at a track like Daytona, I do like the decision that they are taking the grass out of turn three and they are replacing it with pavement. They actually already started doing that before the Rolex 24 and they will complete the process following the Daytona 500. This kind of goes along the lines of track limits, so I'll make a really rough transition over to Watkins Glen. NASCAR announced that they're gonna add rumble strips in turn one at the Glen. And quite honestly, I'm stoked about this. I feel like the drivers take that turn so wide and I'm always a big advocate of track limits or harsher track limits in NASCAR. They have them in Formula One, they have them in IndyCar. I feel like NASCAR should be the same, especially when it goes to road courses. I feel like there's a lot of cheats that we can make in terms of how we define our track limits, which is very wishy-washy with NASCAR. So I think limiting how far these drivers can go out in turn one or go out successfully is going to make the competition a lot more stiff. It's going to make drivers really calculate how they go through turn one as opposed to just dive bombing and hoping it works. You can't really do that when you have track limits at play. You have to be more calculated. So I do really like that change. And speaking of change, there might be some electronic changes in NASCAR's near or distant future. Let's talk about something that's happening on Sunday during the Clash Race Weekend. NASCAR announced that they will have a demonstration of their electronic vehicle with David Reagan at the wheel. Now, if you remember a few months ago, there was a leak of this image of this test EV vehicle, and it kind of looks like a rally car, to be honest with you. That's the very first thought that came into my mind. It has lights, and it has a very generic body with no manufacturer attached. The key thing here I saw from Jayski's website is that there are no plans right now to run this in a race. There are no plans to make an electronic series that everyone is talking about, is concerned about, is wanting to not happen right now. I hear you, and I agree, because I know the concern is as soon as EV hits NASCAR, NASCAR is dead. The charm of NASCAR with, with the fuel mileage races and the engine roar is going to go away. That's not going to happen anytime soon. But also, if we're going to be real with ourselves, we also know that NASCAR, these Gen 7 cars are made for hybrid components. We know the auto industry is going electronic. We know the conservation of fuel and things like that. Things are looking to be electronic in the future. Give it 20, 30 years. We do know that NASCAR has spent time with this car. Remember what last year, two years ago, there was a leak that NASCAR would test an EV car at the clash. I think that was supposed to happen last year. Of course, it didn't. It's happening this year. 
And they have tested this car before with David Reagan at Martinsville last year. They ran quite a few hundred laps on it. So we know that NASCAR is trying to build something electronic. They're trying to test it. They're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. We also know that NASCAR is still toying with, well, what energy source are we going to use? I remember Steve O'Donnell talking about this at the NASCAR State of the Sport address that Steve O'Donnell and Steve Phelps had, where Steve O'Donnell said, I'm going overseas to look at hydrogen energy, seeing if that could be a source for our EV engines or something of the sort. So we're still looking at options. Don't panic yet if you are going to panic about this idea of electricity in these NASCAR engines. It's just a development that's coming out. So I'm curious to see how this demonstration does, the reaction of fans. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. Switching gears to the Xfinity series only now, NASCAR announced that they are changing the number of cars that these teams can have as backups. As reported by Jeff Gluck, a one to two car team can have one backup car and an over three car team can have two backup cars, one of which can be fully prepared. I think this change is necessary to cut costs in the Xfinity series. And not only that do I think is a positive, but I think there's a positive in raising the stakes for these drivers. You're not guaranteed to have enough backup cars if you go out there and practice and qualifying, do something that's a little too risky, do something that's a little careless and junk your car. It's going to make these drivers drive a lot more meticulously, a lot more calculated as to not have silly errors or mistakes. So with these cost cutting measures, you can only have a certain number of backup cars, but your backup cars can't be wrapped. So there's also an incentive not to wreck during practice and qualifying. Obviously, if there's an issue with the car that just it's not driver error, fine. But there's an incentive to saying, hey, this car can't be wrapped. You're going to hurt your sponsors if we're driving a backup car. So again, another incentive to make these drivers race a little bit more cautiously during practice and qualifying, taking calculated risks. Let's add the truck series into this. So talking about news for the truck and Xfinity series, NASCAR announced that non-competitive pit stops are no more. All pit stops from here on out are going to be competitive pit stops or what we'd like to call live pit stops. Remember at standalone events for the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series that didn't involve the Cup Series, a lot of series names there, NASCAR would sometimes implement non-competitive pit stops, basically where timing doesn't matter. You all go to pit road, there's a certain time window where you can have a pit stop, and then when you exit pit road, it doesn't determine a new starting position. The starting position is determined how you ended a stage. So there will be no more of that, which I think is a really positive thing. It keeps things consistent um, across the entire season. Also new for the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series, as reported by Jeff Gluck, these teams will move from a 12-gallon fuel dump can to a 9-gallon fuel dump can. So why this change? Why are we changing the number of gallons that we have in these cans? Well, Wayne Otten, the Xfinity Series director, said that teams wanted to bring this to question, saying, you know, if we want um, somebody who's maybe smaller in stature, somebody who's a little older to be our fueler, we want them to have the ability to do that. So a little bit more inclusivity if we lessen the amount of gallons that we have in these cans. I've tried to lift one of these cans full before. And I mean, I'm not strong. I, I don't have a muscle when I flex. I, I am like a noodle. But moving to a smaller fuel can allows folks that are, yes, older, a little bit smaller, maybe do doesn't have a lot of strength involved. It gives them the opportunity to do these jobs. For me, that's a small change, but I think it's a win. I know some of you might disagree with me. It might be like, okay, I, I don't get why we're doing this, but I think it's a win. Finally, the return of Dash for Cash for the Xfinity Series and the return of the Triple Truck Challenge for the Truck Series were also announced. For those who don't know what the Dash for Cash is, let me try to explain it without confusing myself. 
Starting in the spring at Richmond, the four drivers to place the highest in that race will go on to compete for a $100,000 bonus in the dash for cash at Martinsville. Of those four drivers, the one that finishes the highest at Martinsville will win that $100,000 bonus cash prize. The process repeats itself at Texas, then Talladega, then will end at Dover. As for the triple truck challenge, that will have three races and it will start at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The winner of that race will win a $50,000 bonus. It will continue at Worldwide Technology where the winner of that race will win a $50,000 bonus and it will go on to Nashville. Now, the key thing is this, if one driver wins Charlotte and they also win, let's say Nashville. So if they win two out of the three races, they'll go home with a $150,000 bonus for their team. If they win all three races, they'll go home with a $500,000 bonus for their team. So there's a lot of options, a lot of incentives for the truck series. It's, it operates a little bit differently than the Dash for Cash. Nevertheless, though, it is awesome to have these programs back that give these teams funds if their drivers do well. Unfortunately, though, it won't do a lot for the backmarker teams, which kind of makes me upset just a little bit. Nevertheless, though, any extra money these teams can go home with based off of good performance, A+. I, I love that these incentive programs are back. All right, switching gears, let's move on up to the Cup Series. As reported by Bob Pockrass, the Cup Series is going to have some new forms of advertising on the pit boxes. Cup teams are now allowed to have LED signage on the pit boxes to rotate sponsors out. This is very futuristic, and I know we talk about everywhere you look at a NASCAR track, you see a sponsor, you see a logo and a brand, and we're now amplifying that with the introduction of these changing LED signs at the pit boxes, which granted, we were moving towards that anyways, quite honestly. This is now something that teams can add into their sponsorship packages saying, hey, you thought you only got the pit box, you thought you only had the car, you thought you only had the hauler, well, get this. We have electronic signs now that we can put your logo on. I don't know why this reminds me of Blade Runner. It's, it just feels very futuristic and not dystopian in a sense. It's just a very odd, but also like a make sense way of advertising that we haven't done yet. And I blame, I, guess, I shouldn't say I blame, I should say like I put credit onto Trackhouse for this because you all know if you've been to the track and you've seen the garage area or if you've seen pictures that they've posted on social media, they have their LED or like their, their TV signs by their haulers uh, that have the images of their drivers on them. They might have some sponsors on them, some videos on them, some hype reels on them. So I think Trackhouse kind of just started this whole movement of these like TV or LED signs in front of the haulers. And now NASCAR is like, let's just move it to the pit boxes. Let's give these um, sponsors more of an incentive to want to put their money into the sport. So it's weird. I really do think it's weird, but we saw this coming in some way or another. Um, and also it's a very big win for sponsors. Like I said, it's another way to get their brand out there. It's another way for fans to see their name, their logo. It gives them a bigger return on their investments. So maybe we'll see this trickle down into the Xfinity series and the truck series, though it takes a bigger budget to put something like that on to your pit box. So we'll see, uh, but an interesting development in terms of technology in NASCAR. Finally, let's talk about a change to qualifying procedure for the Cup Series. So the basics of qualifying won't change. We'll still have two groups, groups A and groups B, and the five top finishers of each group will move on to compete for the top 10 positions on the grid. So that doesn't change. The other thing that won't change is how these drivers qualify, the order in which they qualify, which is based off of a NASCAR metric in the NASCAR rulebook. I'm going to read this just straight off of the list here because I'm not going to remember this, but it's based off of a performance metric, which is 15% fastest lap time position, 25% of the driver's final race finish position, 25% of the owner's final race position, 
and 35% of the owner's points position. So none of that changes, but what does change is how these drivers will qualify if they are fighting for positions 11th through 36th or 11th through 40th, depending on the field size we have that weekend. Those qualifying in group A are qualifying for the outside line. Those qualifying in group B are qualifying for the inside line. Something else that's changing is there are gonna be no groups at super speedways. There are only gonna be two rounds of qualifying and the fastest times in round two of qualifying will basically be the lineup of the race. Of course, the Daytona 500 has its own special procedure, so this doesn't count for the Daytona 500. So why this change? After talking with industry members and NASCAR kind of going back and forth with the teams, and even too as a fan, if you remember hearing on the broadcast, literally every week we heard that Group B had a pretty significant advantage when qualifying. At that point, there's more grip on the track, and it typically led to faster qualifying times. I often found myself feeling very bad for the drivers and the teams that were qualifying in Group A because I've just felt like they didn't have a chance to get the pole. They really didn't. So this new qualifying format of Group A qualifying on that outside line, Group B on the inside line, determining positions 11 through 36 or 11 through 40, should eliminate that unfair advantage that Group B would typically get over Group A, sometimes vice versa, depending on the weekend. Again, I am a very big fan of this. It's should level the playing field and make it a lot more fair to these teams. So all in all, I am a big fan of this change. And I think all the changes that NASCAR announced, I think they're all positive. I think they all had a rhyme or a reason. They weren't crazy. They weren't outrageous. They all made sense, whether it was to cut costs or make things more fair or to make things better for sponsors. I think NASCAR took a step in the right direction with all of these different integrations. So good job, NASCAR. I know I just kind of did like a whole information dump on you today. I apologize for that. But what do you think of these new rules, all these new changes that NASCAR has made? Let me know in the comments below. Make sure to keep up with us on tobychristy.com and above the for more NASCAR news and follow us on social media for more up-to-date news. As always, we go live every single Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time talking to those within the industry from the short track scene all the way up to the Cup Series. So make sure to tune in when we have those lives. As always, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and turn the notifications on wherever you're watching this so you know when we upload something new. Thank you all so much for supporting this channel. Until next time, I'll see ya. Bye.